All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Exploring Minds with Bobby Mack. The object of this podcast is to speak to other philosophically minded people in an unassuming way as we explore life's big questions. And today, once again, I'm joined by the indispensable, irreplaceable Caitlin as my co-host. And we will be talking today with a good friend of mine, Carson Claude. Carson is, well, first and foremost, he's a great friend and a talented speed cuber. And we have had a lot of fun at our past Rubik's Cube competitions across the country. Uh, but more recently, what I've gotten interested in talking to Carson about is his work with Christianity and evangelism and trying to uh, win as many souls to Christ as he can. <laughs> is that a fair characterization? No, that's, that's fair enough. Uh, I wouldn't put it like that, but yeah, that's pretty fair. <laughs> And so what does winning souls to Christ look like? Uh, what, I mean, I, you and I, I've noticed that even at Rubik's Cube competitions, it's just involved coming up, going up to people and speaking with them. But uh, is there anything that's more formal than that? Um, so that, that's kind of loaded. You said, what does winning souls look like? Yes. Um, and then it, you also said, is, it, is there something more formal than just going and walking up to people? Um, so I wouldn't even put it at, as, um, winning souls. Um, so the reason that my passion is evangelism is, um, I, as you said, am a Christian and in the book, Matthew 28, uh, 19 through 20 talks about the great commission. I don't know if you're familiar, but it basically says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the father, the son, and the Holy spirit and uh, which is the trinity and um so basically what that means in a nutshell is because you've experienced the love of christ go and love on other people and so it's not my job to win over souls because um i'm not trying people i'm not trying to convey like trying to convince people to follow me necessarily i'm not trying to get anyone to uh to I'm not convincing anybody necessarily to follow anything. Um, I'm just trying to convey the love of Christ that comes from God. That's biblical. That's biblical. That love is God. Um, and so, yeah, I go up to people and I just have a good time. I ask what's going on in their life. I don't assume. I don't tell them that they're wrong. I don't say that whatever you believe in is wrong. Uh, you know, turn to Christ. I just show the love that I've been conveyed. Uh, have you been going door to door at all? Door to door? Um, no. So, well, maybe. So I recently did a school in Colorado called YWAM, and I think I may have mentioned that to you. Um, but for those who are listening, it's a five-month-long training program that I went through. Um, and when I say went through, I mean enjoyed. It was really fun. Um, and we did lots of different outreach programs. Um, and there was a couple of days where we actually did go door to door. Um, and our approach was just kind of the same, just asking them how they're doing, if they need any needs. Like this one time we went and actually bought groceries for some people because they needed it. Um, so yes, to answer your question, I have been door to door, <laughs> but that's not my typical approach. No. That's my favorite form that Christianity takes service. Yeah. It's very wholesome. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> It's hard to object to that. Yeah. Huh. Um, did you want to ask? Uh, let's see. So how did you come to like this belief or like, did you always know that this was something that you wanted to do or like a passion for you? Or when did you kind of decide that you wanted this path? 
Um, I really like that question. Um, so I was born into a Christian home. My parents were Christians, and so they raised me to be a Christian. Um, my parents weren't regularly um, part of my Christian life other than literally taking me to church. Um, my mom is, was a nurse for uh, 32 years on the weekends. So on Sunday, she would be at work. Um, and my dad would drive me to church and do all the events. I was always in church Sundays, Wednesdays, um, doing all the programs and stuff like that. But, um, so, but actually, no. Um, the church that I went to um, was, there wasn't a whole lot of younger people for me to relate to and um, for me to grow in faith with. Um, and so I actually found uh, Christianity and faith to be quite boring because that's how the church that I went to conveyed it to me. Um, but it wasn't until maybe like three or four years ago that I was introduced to, uh, these people, um, I was introduced into, uh, this, this, uh, friend of mine named Julia, um, I'll just keep that first name, whatever. And, um, she introduced me to this church that had a high school service, uh, on Sundays for people that were in high school to come and, um, instead of just like a normal sermon and then like singing or whatever the case may be. Like we played games. We had lots of fun. We had small groups. Like there was hundreds of other kids around me that were going through the same things that I was going through. And um, the Bible was conveyed to me more clearly than the church that I was previously going to. And that's kind of what sparked my faith and sparked my interest in, um, this career that I want to go in, go into. So. Now you mentioned that you were raised in a Christian home. Um, and do you think that your upbringing affected that your decision at all? I mean, obviously it had an impact because that's what you were first exposed to. Um, but it always strikes me that people are almost always the faith that their parents were. So um, do you think that there's something of a, of a bias towards Christianity because it's the faith of your parents or that's what you were brought up into or um, have you have you have you thought about that I have thought about that yes um, and I've had a couple of conversations with people um, for example I have one friend who um, they gave me this analogy of uh, a bicycle wheel that um, everyone in the world is born on this wheel um, and there's different spokes that are on the wheel and wherever you're born, uh, you're going to go to that closest spoke uh, because that's the most convenient for you. And so in my case, my parents are the spokes and they raised me in a Christian home. And so, you know, who isn't biased when their parents raise them up that way? Like for the first however many years of your life that you're living with your parents, you're under their influence, you're learning, you're watching what they're doing. Um, for example, if my parents raised me and I had not heard anything about Christianity and they raised me to, um, I don't know, uh, I can't think of this, you know, any other religion, like I think I would have, that would have a lot of influence. So yes, I'm definitely biased. Um, so yeah. Okay. Um, so you keep, you, you've used the word faith a lot, which I understand, uh, Christianity is, is, an, is a matter of faith. Now, um, what I understand faith to mean is a belief in something 
despite lack of evidence. It's a leap of faith. You're going to believe it in spite of, you, di you didn't come to the decision logically, let's say. You came to the decision based on either a personal experience or um, a feeling that you had. Um, do you think that that's what faith is? Or do you think that you actually can prove God or demonstrate that God exists logically? So I'm actually in school right now to uh, answer that question. Um, so yes, faith for me, when I, when I say that, that can be, that's a huge umbrella of lots of different things. I think faith for me um, just kind of encompasses what I believe in. Uh, so when I say faith, that's what that means. Um, but despite the lack of evidence, so when you said that, um, I choose to believe in Christianity um, for lots of different reasons. Yes, there's none of us were back, you know, 2000 plus years ago to see um, everything that was recorded in the Bible. However, I believe to trust in the accounts uh, of people that, um, that wrote their specific account. There were several people who wrote accounts uh, in the Bible of, um, of Jesus walking on this earth. Um, and so, um, there's been, so the class that I'm taking in school right now, uh, it's called uh, Resurrection of Christ. And it's directed by a guy named Jim Warner Wallace. And um, I'm reading his book right now called Forensic Faith. Um, and it basically talks to Christians and it says, hey, um, I've talked to a lot of people in my life and um, that are Christians. And... Um, I've talked to a lot of people in my life that are Christians and a lot of them give different answers. Like, I don't know why I believe in Christ. I just do it because my parents told me to, or um, I had a personal experience, but a lot of Christians cannot give direct evidence as why they believe. Um, and so I'm choosing to have faith um, in what I believe in because of the written accounts that are in the Bible and personal experience in addition to my parents raising me that way. But what about other religions that have like personal accounts that, that they claim to be just as valid or something like that? Like why do you choose to believe in the Bible versus other options? Yeah, uh, that's, that's a perfectly valid question to ask. So the reason why I, I choose Christianity over other religions is one, I'm pretty ignorant to other religions. I've done very brief studies on um, other religions and other people that have faith in that. Um, I haven't come into contact with a whole lot of enthusiastic believers in other faiths, which I'd be very interested in hearing their perspectives and what they have to say and the, their passion behind it. I think that'd be very interesting. Yeah, the reason the I Jews are not known for their missionary work. <laughs> right. Uh, so I choose. So in the Bible, Jesus dies on the cross, right? But after he dies, he's resurrected from the dead. And because he's resurrected from the dead, that proves his authority and power of being God. And the way it works is Jesus, who died on the cross, is part of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And although our human minds cannot fathom what that exactly 
means. Um, we can convey it in our English language or whatever language you want to use. <clears throat> but it's, it's three in one end. But God, Jesus proved himself as God by raising himself from the dead. So that's why I choose uh, to believe. Okay, but there's, okay, there's something about that account of, like, like, I've always found a little confusing, just like, okay, like, if, if, so it's my understanding that Jesus died on the cross to, like, move the heart of God to, like, save people from sin, right? Or that, that's kind of, I don't know very much about Christianity, if I'm, if I'm honest, I went to, like, Sunday school when I was, but is that accurate? But could um, you, could, like, could you? Jesus died on the cross to save to like inspire God kind of to save people from their sins is kind of how I generally understand that, but I could be mistaken. Yes. So, uh, he didn't inspire God because Jesus is God. Yeah. That's what I'm getting. (laughs) Yeah. So like, why did he have to die on the cross to begin with? So, um, Really attack, Sorry. Attack, attacking, I didn't mean attacking. to like, I just, I've always found that confusing. Yeah. Yeah, my, no, it, go ahead. My, my understanding of it is um, in the Old Testament, you yeah. have uh, a large amount of animal sacrifices to appease God for, right. for, human, for human sins. And because Jesus represents an infinite sacrifice, because he's an infinite being, after him, you no longer need sacrifices. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. Um, I I suppose um, one of the questions that I would ask is, while the majority of Christians posit that Jesus is God, there are some denominations that don't. The the first one that comes to mind is Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, they view him as as not quite a human being. Some, some type of divine being, but certainly not God. Um, do you consider them to be Christian? Do I consider them to be Christian? Um, I mean, I wouldn't say so. Um, I think, like you said, it's a different denomination. Um, I, they, they ha- I'm super ignorant of Jehovah's Witnesses. I don't know exactly what specifically like they what they believe in they don't believe that jesus is the messiah um if i'm correct um yeah i would say that christians believe that that jesus is god and jehovah's witnesses don't believe so then they're not christian so then as a more general matter what do you view as the essentials to be a christian because i mean uh, the, the i mean I don't know how many denominations there are, maybe as many denominations as there are sentences in the Bible. Um, and I think that a lot of denominations probably couldn't even tell you how they're di- I don't think a Presbyterian could tell you how they're different from a Baptist. Um, but these, these differences exist, otherwise they wouldn't be different denominations. Um, so what do you think are the crucial elements that make a belief system Christian? Yeah. Um... So it's really funny because we teach that to kids like when they're super young. Like I remember it um, very, and it's also biblical. It tells you how uh, you can have a personal relationship with God. And that is uh, part of it. So it's, we call it the ABCs. 
So A is admitting that, that, you're, that we are wrong, that we make bad decisions, that we are not, uh, we don't have full authority and control of our life. Uh, B is believing that, like I said earlier, Jesus is God's son. Uh, and C is just con- confessing our faith that, uh, and confessing our faith to other people. So uh, I guess there's no additional uh, baggage that comes along with that. Like if you Uh, believe that once, like uh, admitting that you don't have control over your life, but the B part, believing that Jesus is the son of God, that for lack of a better phrase is what gets you in the club (laughs) and everything else is just kind of onion dressing. (laughs) Um, I I, I like your phrasing with that. That's really funny. Um, when you said, is there extra baggage? So when you believe that Jesus is God's son, it changes your life. When you realize like what God has done for us, um, we don't have to do anything uh, to achieve afterlife. We don't have to do anything to, um, yeah, so to to achieve afterlife, which is what some people uh, look for in religion. but to be a Christian, does, is there extra baggage? Um, when you believe in Christ, there's so many verses in the Bible that kind of give you like a set of guidelines of how a Christian should live. Um, and because when you personally believe in Christ, it should, it should be life-changing and you should want to make better decisions. However, that doesn't give us authority to say that people are wrong. It's a personal relationship. So when people say, I have a personal relationship with God, that's themselves trying to uh, become like Jesus. You'll hear people say, I want to be more Christ-like because Christ lived a perfect life. um, As it's written in the accounts of the Bible, he lived a perfect life. um, And it calls for us to become more Christ-like whenever we believe that he is the son of God. So do you think that like, atheists can go to heaven like say they live a really christ-like life but they just for can't find can't quite get themselves to believe in god do you do those like people like i don't know go to hell or are they also saved so to when you, you said go to heaven so my belief in being a christian there is there's afterlife in heaven and there's afterlife uh, that is separation from God. We have the physical choice to confirm or to deny that Christ is real and that Christ is the son of God. Um, And so if there's not necessarily like an unforgivable sin, right? So if someone were to murder someone, if someone were to deny God's existence, Um, That's not necessarily unforgivable. Jesus died on the cross and has forgiven us of any possible sin possible, whether that's just a lie or murdering a ton of people. Um, So that's, that's the crazy, awesome part about Jesus is that even though we're disgusting and that we're not worthy of his grace and compassion, um, we still kind of have, like he still loves and cares for us to have a relationship with him so that we can live eternally with him in heaven. Well, um, 
I guess I would, I mean, what she was talking about uh, hell, which I guess is the definition of that is separation from God. Um, I think that given the way that Jesus talks about separation from him, um, it's very, per it's hard for me, it's hard for me to believe that uh, blasphemy or rejection of God is forgivable. Um, but if, if you tell me that in your belief system that blasphemy or rejection of God is still a forgivable sin, I'm, I'm wondering how that's possible because doesn't forgiveness have to come under the umbrella of accepting Jesus as God? Like you can only achieve salvation. You can only be forgiven if you accept him into your heart or do you, you not, you do not think that. Um, you think that even a person who hasn't accepted him into, into their heart can, can be forgiven? I, I think, yes, we are, we are all forgiven and that's, that's biblical. Whenever he died, he, it's for all humanity. We're all forgiven of, of our sins, but we, God doesn't have to have a personal relationship with us. Um, he has given us free will so that we have the choice um, to choose to follow Christ, to be forgiven. Um, and one can deny, one can blaspheme, one can um, not have the desire to believe in Christ. And, you know, that will result in eternal separation from God. Um, but that's, that's a choice that someone has made. Um, but for example, someone their entire life lives as an atheist and, uh, runs around telling people that God isn't real, that God is fake. And the very last breath, they believe that Jesus is God's son and that God is the creator and that the Holy spirit lives within them. Um, then they're, they're forgiven of their sins. So yes, you, you said it right. You have to you have to accept the fact that Jesus is God's son and you are forgiven of your sins. But how free is that choice? Because I mean, I, I just like, I'm an atheist and like, I just sincerely can't, can, like, like the idea of God just doesn't make sense to me. And like, so it doesn't feel like a choice to me to, to not believe in God. It, you said it doesn't seem like a choice for you to not believe in God. Yeah, because it just, like, when I think about it, like, it just, with how my mind works and with the background and experiences that I've had, it just isn't something that makes sense to me. So I, I don't feel like I can choose to believe that. Um, would, you, would you say that it's a choice to either believe or not to believe? but like like i mean like i don't know like when i see the sky and it looks like it's blue like i i don't know if that's like a, a choice really like or if i could choose to believe it was red on an honest way yeah um and i think like i'm not i don't i don't see it as as my place to like say like whatever you I, I don't know what you've experienced i don't know like how your mind works per se. Um, but the, I've been conveyed 
through lots of, through education, through school, through um, just personal accounts. And I see God to be very apparent uh, everywhere in creation, um, within ourselves. Like we're so incredibly complex um, and so many other, like I have a, a, a notebook right here that I'm studying and writing about just, you know, why God exists, how he exists. Um, well, Caitlin, so that's, me, that's just, me, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, you know, I'll, I'll play the devil's advocate right. here. Okay. If God does exist, that being, then God knows exactly what it would need to do to convince you that it exists. Right. Yeah. So do you think that it's possible that there could be something out there if God exists that God could do to convince you? I think so. Yeah. All right, then that's fair. If there's an experience out there that you think could exist that could convince you, then uh, it's not like you're shutting your eyes to it. No. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Um, Caitlin, I have a question for you. Um, so you said that in your mind, you don't see how God could exist. Um, yeah. So do you, do you personally see that it would make sense if like there were a creator as opposed uh, to some, an, an alternate orthodox? Kind of. I mean, I, I'm sympathetic to, I mean, it's interesting that there's something rather than nothing, right? Like that, that reality exists at all. Um, but I, I guess for me, like when I think about a creator, it just seems like it kicks the can down the road in the sense that like, if, if, like you know there's some creator that created the universe and like what created that creator mm -hmm. and so then like it just kind of shifts it a little bit and I, I feel like I'm still stuck with the same problem yeah there's there are lots of different questions um like that like you know if God created the universe then who created God yeah uh, like there's there's lots of questions like that and that specific question um i i don't specifically want to answer that um i mean i would i would love to answer that but just not because i'm ignorant but i feel as though i, I don't want to convey it in the wrong way um yeah so that's that's what that's how i'm gonna end with that actually i actually might i'm gonna be as, as we're talking me flipping through some notes that i have that may end up inspiring me to answer that question for you okay yeah and no pressure to say like exactly the right thing i say things that are like definitely like not accurately representing philosophical ideas all the time so like if you have i don't know some, yeah i don't know yeah oh yeah and yeah i've i thank you for that i'm, I'm glad that you're sympathetic towards <laughs> my knowledge and right now like for this podcast, I am advocating for, for Christ, but I'm also advocating for my personal experience. Um, I have flaw, uh, and I don't want to convey something wrongfully when um, biblically something else is supposed to be conveyed as opposed to something that I have said. Um, so. So one thing that I want to uh, talk about is, I mean, you, you say that pe well, pe people can come to Christ through a variety of ways, but one of the ways is personal experience. And it's like, we can't really take that away from someone. If someone claims that they've had a personal experience and they try to tell you about their personal experience, I don't know what that looks like. 
I don't know whether it's a burning in the bosom that the, that the Mormons will, will phrase it as, or um, I don't know, they hear a voice or they have a dream or some sequence of events happens to them that they can't explain. Um, but would you acknowledge that, that that could only possibly be evidence for you, right? That could never be used as evidence for somebody else. Like you conveying a personal experience is personal to you. And if you have that experience, I'm like, wow, that sounds amazing. But uh, I could never use your personal experience as why I believe in God. I, I kind of agree with that. Um, I think that testimonies, so I would phrase that as a testimony, like a personal experience. Um, I, I phrase that as a testimony. Um, I think testimonies are pretty, are, are really powerful. Uh, if I convey to you how I came to Christ and I convey to you a very long list of like all the experiences I've had with Christ would, wouldn't even fit this book. Um, but I think testimonies can be powerful if used in the right way, um, to maybe, I don't know, to maybe like inspire or maybe to, to relate with somebody like, for example, um, people can experience God. Like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, people can experience God through so many different ways. It's biblical that God is not limited in how he can uh, convey himself to other people. I've experienced God through, um, through other people. I've experienced God through creation. I've experienced God through music um, and a long list of other different ways. And they're in, yes, they're all personal. Um, and sometimes they can't necessarily be explicitly conveyed. Uh, but God can reveal himself to you. What is like, yeah, like, I, I don't know if this is something you can like articulate or like if it's just some a subjective experience, but like, what, what's it like to experience God or like, what is the, the nature of God to you? Uh, what is the nature of God? It's kind of an abstract question. But, yeah. <laughs> well, because yeah, like, like you've said, like God is love and things like that. And that isn't usually how I would think about God. I, I think of God as like some like big guy, like in the sky or, you know, something like that. Yeah. So I, it's an interesting kind of perspective on God. Um, yeah. Um, let's see. Hold on one second. So you're like talking about what are the attributes that God has? Yeah, like what is God like? Mm -hmm. Or like what is it like to experience God? I'd like to know what it's like to be God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I would not want <laughs> Sounds to kind of stressful. <laughs> it, does, it does sound stressful. So in the Bible, it gives so many references as to the character and nature of God and what he's specifically like. Um, and... Um, I have a book with lots of different things that I may find, but we'll see. Um, but, but personally um, experiencing like what he's like is, like I said, it's very hard to articulate. And one thing, if, if, if you're curious, I'm not saying like you should do this. Um, but sometimes when like before I was a Christian and even now, like I, 
I verbally ask God, I just, I want to experience your presence. Mm -hmm. And that could look like a variety of different things. Um, whether that's just experiencing peace, if I'm stressed about something, um, like a book report or school or work, uh, whatever that may be. And there's deadlines. I ask God, Hey, I just want to experience your presence. Um, and and God works in different ways. I can't just be like, hey, God, make me feel peaceful. And then like, <laughs> that might be this, and that's going to happen. Right. Like he works in different ways. Being a Christian is not comfortable. There's not, it's not just mm -hmm. like rivers of milk and honey. Um, we go through a lot of peaks and valleys so that we can grow and become a different person, uh, become a, a better version of ourselves that have been through trials. Uh, in James, it talks about, um, how trials are a good thing because uh, we've, we would be conditioned and be full of wisdom, knowing more um, about life and how to go through different situations better. Um, so. One of, one of the things that I think about though, is um, you're, you're talking about uh, all the ways that Christ will make a Christian change their life or should inspire them to want to change their life. Now, unfortunately we have many examples of Christians or people who claim to be Christians um, who are taking that message and warping it uh, to live a life that is so opposite of what you would characterize as a good life. I mean, one of the examples that comes to my mind is Joseph Coney, right? The leader of the Lord's resistance army, you know, the child soldier army in Africa. Okay, and that's a uh, that's a it's, they call themselves a Christian organization uh, now, and I don't know exactly what they're fighting for, but uh, using child soldiers uh, to fight uh, uh, whatever uh, war you think is appropriate. That seems that's using child soldiers for any purpose seems to me to be like a, a, a grossly immoral thing. Um, and yet this guy believes that he's doing, I mean, have you heard of Coney? Do you remember Coney 2012? Uh, no, I, so what, what you're explaining and conveying right now, I've never heard of actually. Oh, okay. So back in 2012, have you remember Caitlin? I remember Coney 2012. Okay. Yeah. So, well, we all thought it was so in 2012, there was a big campaign to, um, capture this man named Joseph Coney, who was, um, leading, um, I don't even know what you would call it, like a militia, yeah. uh, of, um, it was a Christian missionary militia that he was like trying to convert people by the sword or by the gun rather and using child soldiers to do this. Um, and I think this was in the Congo. And he was the same people like who kidnapped all those young girls and like, sold, or is that a different, was it I think that's a different that organization. A different okay, yeah. Okay. But that's one of the most um, stark examples that comes to my mind of somebody who's taking, who's got, who has Christianity on the brain or in their soul or what have you. And at least they're saying they, uh, have, they're saying yeah. they have it in their soul uh, and they're using it to do something that seems like egregiously immoral. Um, wow. So I don't really know what my question is there. <laughs> um, I guess I would just say, uh, how do we adjudicate or how do we discover what Christianity really wants from us in, in terms of how we ought to act? Yeah. Um, so in the Bible, there's the old Testament and the new Testament. Uh, the old Testament is really good for how we ought to act. There's stories, there's parables, there's, um, 
there's different things and there's different stories and there's also explicit directions that, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, that convey how we should act. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a simple answer. Um, with regards to those things, what, what about things like, I don't know, gay marriage though and, and things like that? Like, it, um, it, it seems like some of those things just, just don't quite seem right or like, at least to me, or, um, I don't know. And like, isn't there like things like eating seafood or like wearing like things of mixed fabrics or, or stuff like that? Yeah, uh, before I answer that question, I did want to add on to what I just yeah. said. Um, so how should we act? Like what, what are some good guidelines? So in the Bible, it says more than like, I couldn't tell you exactly how many times it says it, but uh, the most important commandment, you know, there's 10 commandments, but there's also the most important commandment that's not on the original list of 10. It, that is verbally said from Jesus is to, um, to love God uh, with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and also to love others. And so um, if you consider yourself a Christian, that's a really important, that should be something that you value. Um, and so this organization that you're speaking of sounds very bizarre. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I mean, I, yeah, th yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's insane. I mean, it's absolutely insane. They definitely are just like bad people who are using the guise of Christianity to do terrible things. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so, uh, like you said, um, eating seafood or wearing mixed fabrics. So in the Old Testament, those were, uh, there was like, I, I can't exactly tell you how many laws there were. Uh, but there were 613, <laughs> the mitzvot. Yeah. That's the Hebrew awesome. word for laws. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there were, there were a lot of, of laws to, to keep, but Jesus, um, like he, he is the new covenant. And so whenever he died, he basically, it wasn't like a free pass, like, Oh, you're free to do whatever you want. Um, but so like we're for, he, we, we, as humans, we're flawed. We sin. We, we're going to make those decisions regardless, no matter how hard we try, there's no way we can be perfect because Jesus was the only perfect being. Uh, and so no matter how hard we try, we're going to break those laws. We're going to eat seafood. We're going to mix fabrics. Even if we live our life trying to not mix fabrics, it's going to happen. So that, that's just an example um, and an exaggeration to convey over all of those things. Um, but yeah, the work, the work is already done. Um, but the new, the new Testament talks about, um, how faith is dead without works, but, um, God talks about his, his mercy and grace as well. So it's, it's incredibly confusing, but also just incredibly awesome to, to know that no matter how hard we can screw up, it all just goes back to Jesus dying on the cross and forgiving us of our sins, no matter what we do. So some, peop some people, like Bobby said, can warp that uh, and, you know, create weird organizations. Um, and, but some people see it as, an, uh, as that's, that, that's where people get the joy from. That's, wh that's where you see all the enthusiastic Christians. That's why I go up to people loving them like, I'm so excited to be alive because I have nothing else to worry about because I believe in God and I know I'm going to heaven and I can live the rest of this life and mess up and screw up, not meaning to, 
but, and I'm going to go through hard times and I'm going to go through mountaintop experiences. And those all come from God. They all come from God. So it's, that's, that's where I uh, am enthused. So. I was just going to say, I, I, I will say that you, I've seen you in rooms full of people and um, you are probably one of the most well-liked people in the entire uh, Rubik's Cubing community. I mean, right up there with, right up there with our hero, Chris Hardwick, you are probably, uh, probably one of the most uh, positive vibe giving uh, people. Um, I guess you're saying that you wouldn't have that if God wasn't in your life. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I, I consider myself to be very selfish, actually. <laughs> um, I actually, yeah, so I've, I constantly think about my life and I constantly think about uh, how I can change myself. And I don't think that'll cease to exist until I die. But, um, but also, um, I do receive the joy from Christ because of everything that I just said. So yes, all my joy does come from God. Would I have that without Christ? Uh, I think it's possible to have joy. I think it's possible to uh, experience happiness. Um, but there's, there's nothing like just receiving forgiveness and having an eternal God that can resolve any problem that I have um, and any problem that anyone could ever have. And so, um, and he proved that to me time and time again uh, through, throughout my entire life. Like, um, I didn't have a job for, uh, like six months and, um, like I was sitting at home and had, believe it or not, not a whole lot of friends to talk to. Like I, um, first of all, Bobby, I want to thank you for that wonderful compliment. Um, that made me feel really awesome. Um, and I want you to know specifically Kieran and I talk about you, uh, not all the time, but sometimes we'll bring up your name because we just find you to be incredibly enjoyable to be around. I appreciate uh, that. I just wanted to say, I don't know if you remember this when we were at the, remember the Georgia championship 2018? Yes. Uh, how many cube, uh, when we had the three by three finals, how many cubers listed you as their favorite cuber at the competition? You can list a favorite. You know what's funny is I I don't even recall. Um, it was at least two out of the twelve. <laughs> uh, out of the whole competition of two hundred people or whatever it was, listed you as their favorite cuber. Okay, I I didn't. I probably would have, but I didn't only because I um, didn't want to. You know, I wanted to even out the playing field a little bit, so I chose my second favorite person at the competition. <laughs> Yeah, that was kind of an awkward question. That was the only time I think that was the first time they've asked that of the competition. But anyway, um, you were saying that you think it is, you think it's possible to have joy. But I mean, um, I won't say exactly what my beliefs are, but I will say that I do not have the extraordinary burning in the bosom to evangelize about Christ like Christians do, like mm -hmm. like evangelical Christians have, and. Um, I oftentimes feel, not oftentimes, but there are times when I feel as though I am missing something uh, to see people that happy and enthusiastic and self-assured uh, <laughs> and to think that if I die in my sleep tonight, it's only going to get better. <laughs> 
<laughs> right. <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, wish I had that. But um, one of the people that Caitlin and I have talked about quite a bit is the psychologist Jordan Peterson, who I don't know if you've uh, ever heard of him. Um, he doesn't exactly... He doesn't exactly call himself a Christian. He, he's a little up in the air about what exactly he believes, but he has a great appreciation for the Bible. And he says that while an individual person can be an atheist and live a perfectly moral life, he believes that the social fabric of civilization would tear at the seams if everybody stopped believing in God. Um, that like at a, at, a, at a world level, there needs to be something to believe in that's greater than yourself. And I'm wondering what you think about that. What do you, well, first of all, I'll ask you, what do you think the world would look like if everybody became a Christian? <laughs> it, would, it would be insane. Like, uh, it would be re really cool. I think, I think, it, I, oh man, I, I can't, I'm so sorry. I'm just, that, 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 <laughs> you thought of that just excites me. Um, and I'm, oh. I'm so sorry. Like, I've, I've, met so, I've met so many people that are Christian and it's like I've experienced that, but, and that's the, that's why I do that. That's, that's why I evangelize. That's why I go and talk to people because I want them to experience love. And I want that would, that is my desire for this world. Um, but that's not my, my choice for some, I can't, you know, make you choose to, to be a Christian, but I've experienced, experience love and joy from being a Christian and most Christians that I know have that same joy I am just very like I emphasize it and I'm very excited about it not everyone is and not everyone has to be everyone has different uh, personalities and different gifts um, that contribute to the kingdom of God um, but what would it look like if everyone was a Christian that'd be that'd be insane I think it'd be It'd be really awesome. Because I contrast that with what it would look like if the entire world was atheist. And um, Christopher Hitchens, who was a famous atheist, was once asked if he, who, he was on the crusade to deconvert as many people as possible, to prove to as many people as possible that God didn't exist, that, that there's no one watching you, there's no afterlife, no soul, no, no majesty beyond the material world. And he did admit, though, he's like, if I had it down to just one person left in the world to deconvert, and then there'd be no religion left at all, I wouldn't do it. Really? <laughs> he's like, if it was within my power to deconvert that last person, I could not bring, I would not be able to bring myself to do it. Why? <laughs> he said he didn't know. He's like, I can't explain why I wouldn't do it, but I can't do it. Huh. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not going to lie to you. Like, this is kind of a bold statement. I don't think that would happen because mm -hmm. I think that. God conveys himself in so many different ways, like I said, with creation and with all these different things that I, I, I see that would be practically impossible uh, for the, uh, the Christian faith to diminish. Yeah, I feel that there's something deep in our DNA that is going to make sure that religion in general, faith in God, never completely goes away. Yeah, and let me, let me share you a quick story. So I was watching this sermon have you guys ever had Krispy Kreme donuts do you guys yes, enjoy I just ran the Krispy Kreme run yes uh, last Saturday <laughs> are you serious yeah yeah Dude, did you, did you do eat it all the donuts? no I didn't eat all the donuts I didn't <laughs> eat the challenge 
Yes. Oh my gosh. So you probably don't like Krispy Kreme anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, the donuts were gone later that day. <laughs> of course. Anyways, so I was I was in a sermon and there was about a thousand people in the room. We were at Oak Island at this place called Camp Caswell. And basically it's kind of like a vacation for lots of church groups to come and to spend a week at the beach, but also learn about Christ. And the speaker, the first thing he does, it was so funny. I'll never, I'll never forget this for as long as I live. He gets up on the stage and he's like, you know what? We're going to start this a little different. I'm pretty hungry. Who's hungry? And everyone's just like, yeah. And so he's like, well, I have one box, one dozen of Krispy Kreme donuts, and I'm going to eat them all by myself. And everyone's just like, boo! <laughs> but like, uh, obviously no one's like actually angry. If they were, then, you know, they should check themselves. <laughs> but, um, and, so he's, and so he takes the donut and he just puts it in, ma- in his mouth and he's just enjoying it. And he's having a great time just eating the donut in front of people. And everyone's just frustrated and angry. And um, so then he takes, he's just like, you know what? I'm going to share this with you guys. And so he takes the donut and literally like, he's like, who wants a donut? And everybody started flipping out. Like everyone was standing on top of their pews. And so then he was like just chucking donuts at people in the crowd just chucking donuts at people in the crowd. One of my friends caught it, um, actually. And instead of eating the whole thing by himself, he actually like tore some pieces off and like started giving to his friends. And I just thought that was beautiful because he then turned it around and said, that's the gospel. The gospel is the donut. I took the donut and you guys have never, assuming had never before even tasted the donut, have uh, saw me enjoy it and saw how much, how, wonderful it is and obviously everyone knew it was a Krispy Kreme donut Um, but just explaining the ingredients or whatever he had to do he then he's got so everyone's so excited about just Krispy Kreme donuts so excited about the gospel and that's as Christians what we're what we're called to do and my friend catching the donut right and then like taking pieces off and giving it to other people because it's just such a delicious treat and the gospel's so wonderful um, and just so simple. Um, and so I don't remember exactly where that came from or if you guys even asked a question, but uh, <laughs> that's, 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 uh, that's my philosophy in a nutshell, just eating donuts and sharing donuts with people. But cool. instead of the donut, yeah. it's the gospel. Did you want to ask something uh, else? Go ahead. Um, well, I guess one thing that I do often tend to return to is um, this whole idea of what makes somebody a Christian or what makes somebody, um, I guess, a true Christian. I know that we've talked about um, belief in Jesus as the Son of God, um, belief in God, um, and that you don't necessarily have to uh, eat kosher right? To be considered a Christian. You don't necessarily have to go to church on Sundays. Um, in my view, there's so much, um, sorry, there's so much difference between, um, all the different denominations that in my view, it's almost to the point where anyone who says that they are a Christian is a Christian because you have Lady Gaga's Christianity, which I'm assuming is pretty different 
from um, Joel Osteen's Christianity, <laughs> uh, which I'm assuming is quite different from King Henry VIII's uh, <laughs> Christianity. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so that that's that's what I keep coming back to. I mean, you keep saying that you, you said a couple times that God reveals Himself in different ways, and we talked about the personal experiences. Um, but would but isn't it true that uh, the Muslim has also had a personal experience, uh, or the the Hindu has had a personal experience, or the um, the Baha'i has had a personal experience, and uh, to me that seems that that speaks to me more about the universality of religion. In that, if God exists, God is manifesting itself in tons of different ways to different people, and is maybe using experiences and the holy books to convey his or her presence to humanity. And to me, it doesn't need to be confined to just the Bible. Uh, if you can use a book like the Quran to, uh, if you can use the Quran as a, as a book full of symbols and metaphors to express what you otherwise can't express, which is faith in a higher power, and, and God is communicating itself to you that way, I feel that there's no way to say that one of them is more valid than the other. I disagree with that. Um, because, Like I said at the beginning, I, I believe Christianity to be true. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God because he established his authority by raising himself from the dead. He has the power and the authority to do so. And that proved himself as God. That's just my personal opinion. Okay. So I know that you're not here to defend Islam. And I know that you are not here to speak to what Muslims believe. So I will speak to what Muslims believe. Um, now, I don't know if you know that it, uh, Muslims do believe in Jesus, but in a slightly different way. Um, they believe in him, t in him as uh, one of the greatest prophets um, of, as revealing this. He revealed the same message that's revealed in the Quran. And they believe that the Bible is the original Bible is true, but that the text was altered sometime in its early formation. And so we don't know what to trust about it and what not to trust about it. And that you needed Muhammad to come about 600 years later, establish the Quran, say, okay, there were parts of the Bible that may have been true, but it was corrupted in its formation. The Quran is the refined, final, true form of what God really wants from you. Jesus tried it, didn't, didn't quite work out so well. He didn't get it all right. Um, so I'm wondering how you, would, how you feel about a message like that. Um, that the, the Bible is altered? Yeah. Um, well, I don't necessarily know how I feel about it. And I think that, um, I think with time and with the school that I'm in, I'll, I'm sure probably will hear more about it. Um, and I don't know specifically, you know, what was tampered or what was erased or what was added. Um, but what's cool is that in the Bible, there's four gospels that have multiple accounts and multiple of the same accounts. Um, 
as what to happen. So, and like I said earlier, I have faith in the accounts of the Bible and I agree with the accounts uh, and the God that is in the Bible because of the resurrection. Uh, I'm curious what you think about, like, if you've thought much at all about, like, the problem of evil. Like, something I've always struggled with when I, I think about the existence of God is, like, like, yes, there's, like, God does a lot of, like, beautiful things, or, like, I don't know, you seem really happy, and, like, you spread a lot of joy and stuff, but, like, it seems like there's also just a lot of really terrible things in the world, and it, it's hard to understand that, like, why things are the way they are if there's a God who is benevolent and omnipotent, who, like, could make things otherwise and presumably, like, wants what's in our best interest, but, but chooses not to. Yeah. Um, so, I can't answer that fully, but I will say that for example, evil in the world, right? There's, um, I think that comes from the, f the very first sin that occurred was uh, Eve eating the apple off the tree of good and evil because we chose to go against God's will. We chose, we, God isn't a controlling God. He gave us a will to have, to choose to make choices. Um, you know, we've created guns, we, which we can use for hunting and target practice, whatever you want. But because of that free will of someone picking up that gun and pointing it towards someone's head, that's evil. That's not, that doesn't come from God. That person had the free will to do so. And that spawns so many different things. Um, and so all things that are evil does not come from God. Evil does not come from God. Now, uh, why does God, one question people ask, why does God allow those things to happen? Um, that's a very good question. Um, and I'm not exactly sure how to answer that. And, um, and I think that's okay. Yeah, it's just like complicated or it could be hard to see why. Yeah. But I think it pairs well with that, the, the, the notion of free will. And because, and, and I think, you know, if God were to, you know, prevent those things from happening, he would become a controlling God. You know? It's true. Um, yeah, because, I mean, I just uh, spoke with my cousin a few weeks ago who's a Holocaust survivor, and he's uh, 95. And, you know, when he speaks about his experience wow. in Auschwitz, I mean, it, when, he's, when he speaks about it, I mean, he has a, and he has an immaculate memory. He's amazing. Remembers everything. Um, and when he speaks about his experience, he said, I don't know if you know Ellie Wiesel. Yes. Uh, yeah. Who wrote uh, night. He was friends with Ellie Wiesel afterward, uh, when you know, right. in the past couple of decades. Cause they had a lot to relate on for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Ellie Wiesel, uh, you know, had lost his faith in God as a result of that experience. Um, my cousin was, uh, slightly he still retains his faith in God and he attribute, he, he pretty much gives the same explanation that you gave that it was uh, that it was a matter of, of man's free choice. But uh, I don't, I don't know if I'd be able to blame Elie Wiesel for losing his faith in God uh, as a, as a result of an experience like that, you know? Yeah. And I don't, you know, I can't really say that I blame him either. Um, like I, there's no way, anyone could convey to me like the horrors that 
came from the Holocaust, personally experiencing that. Um, you know, if I were in his shoes, I don't know how I would respond. Um, I think that, I mean, there's only what I can think of or say, you know, what ifs, but um, I don't think there's a single person or a single event that can, or to my knowledge, that can happen to me right now that can ever shake my faith. Um, I don't agree or necessarily like what happened to Eluzel and everyone that, you know, what, what happened in the Holocaust, like that's, those are all devastating things. Um, and I think, but God's, God's going to continue to, to convey himself in so many different ways. And I pray that every single individual in this, in this world, uh, will experience and just allow to experience instead of having doubt or instead of having disbelief that just for a moment, like, um, someone can just experience the joy and maybe just be, be quiet and still and, um, just, just experience that because it's, it's something that has changed my life. It's something that's more like joyful than any sort of happiness I've ever had in my entire life. It, it surpasses any sort of joy or pleasure that I've ever had is having a relationship with God. And, and that's, that's why I have, that's why I'm so enthusiastic about it is because it's so awesome. Caitlin, you told me once that you were casually raised Christian. Did you ever have this burning belief in God, though? Um, hmm. when, did you be, when did you become an atheist or claim yourself to be atheist? I became an atheist at about 12 or 13 or so. Um, mm-hmm. When I was younger, I would say that I like intensely believed God, but like not in a very joyful way. It was more in like a very anxious way, where like when I took it really literally that like our like I don't know, eternal lives were on the line. And like, if we didn't do these things that we would like go to hell and like, it would be terrible. Then like, I I was very stressed about that. And so like, like we'd skip church sometimes and I would just be like, this is like a problem. Like, like, why are we gambling with like, like eternity? Um, But I don't know if I was, yeah, I wouldn't say, I'd say I was pretty casually Christian throughout elementary school. And then became an atheist. I relate with you, Caitlin. Like the church that I was mentioning beforehand, like that was kind of the feeling that I got. If I didn't go to church, if I didn't do what I was supposed to, then I would just burn in hell eternally. And (laughs) yeah. And that's, that's why when I was, you know, carried away from that and was introduced to like more, the more loving and grace filled part of God, as opposed to the, the, the wrath of God, but his mercy and his love um, surpasses all of that. Yeah, I wish I'd been raised in that kind of that style of church or that kind of experience. Yeah, me as well. Um, there's a saying: uh, Jews don't believe in redemption; they believe in guilt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just eternal guilt, you know, just like always feeling bad. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, as a matter of fact, the Jewish conception of hell that I've heard from at least one rabbi is you see what your life could have been if you lived to your full potential. Ouch. It's like that. It's just such a, it's, yeah, it's such a Jewish uh, way of conceiving like the, the afterlife. Yeah, exactly. You're passive uh, aggressive, never, yeah, never satisfied with what you have. Just uh, always striving for something, you know, living in a culture of dissatisfaction. Um, 
Well, are you still there? Oh, uh, yeah. If my phone said like low battery or whatever, oh. so that probably took my camera away. Okay. Um, yeah. So we'll just we'll I will just go for a a couple of minutes longer. Um, I guess I would ask you a couple of personal things about what you believe. Um, do you believe that miracles still happen in the world today? Yes, absolutely, and have personally witnessed them. Hmm. Okay, could you give yeah, us an account please. of one? Uh, yes, and I want to preface this by saying that miracles come from God. They do not come from man. They do not come from anything else except for God. Um, when you personally believe in, in Jesus, you, um, the Holy Spirit lives within your heart. And the Holy Spirit, God, and the Father are Trinity, so they're three in one. So, but they're also three separate people. And so the Holy Spirit lives within me. Um, and so, um, and it talks about that in the book of Acts, if you want to look into that, about the Holy Spirit specifically. And um, so one time, um, there's somebody to choose from. Let's see. Um, <laughs> this is going to sound crazy. So I was, someone texted me from high school. was like, Hey, you want to catch up sometime? And I was just like, sure. And um, I'm like, what is this girl trying to do? And I had no like interest in her at all, but I'm a single guy. She's a single girl. Like there's something up. Someone has to say something about it, but we meet up at this mall and, um, and like we're sitting down, we're eating Chick-fil-A. And we were actually funny enough talking about our faith and she was talking about her experience with Christ and um, the joy that she also had from it, which I actually found to be really wonderful. Um, and then for a moment, um, this is going to sound crazy, but well, this isn't going to sound crazy. Every, when the Holy spirit lives within you, you're able to like, you you become more Christ-like and the, the Lord does crazy things through you. Um, and so I experienced like this tingling, sharp pain in my left elbow. Um, and I'm just like, what, <laughs> like, what is going on in my elbow? Um, and it's, this isn't something that, that this, some, this is something that happens on multiple occasions where like a, a random body part will be aching. Um, but then it'll, it'll go away and it'll cease. And so I'm like, Okay. And so I asked my friend Allison, I'm like, Hey, is there anything wrong with your elbow? And she's like, uh, that's really random. Why did you ask that? And, um, I'm just like, I don't know. God told me that somebody's elbow hurts. <laughs> and, uh, the way he told me was through the pain. And, um, I was like, she was like, no, my elbow does not hurt. And I was just like, well, okay, cool. And then she just kind of kept talking uh, <laughs> and we just kind of surpassed that. And the whole time she's like talking to me, I'm being a horrible friend and I'm like looking around the room for like a cast or like, uh, like a splint or something. But like the pain kept coming back in my elbow. Um, and um, I look over and I don't know what I can't, can't, I can't describe it, but like, Basically, God took a yellow highlighter and like highlighted this one lady that was just sitting by herself. There was nothing wrong with her. She was wearing a long sleeve shirt. Couldn't see her elbows. I had no idea what was going on. But um, I look at my friend like, hey, just give me a second. And so I stand up 
and I walked over to this lady. Um, and she was probably like in her later 20s, early 30s. And I'm just like, hey. And she was very frightened by me. <laughs> um, as she should be, I guess. Um, what are you, like 6'5"? <laughs> you don't see her. I'm like 6'3". She's sitting down. I'm like towering over her. Like, <laughs> um, and I, I asked her, I'm just like, hey, I know this is going to sound really weird. Um, but I believe in God and I feel as though he has told me that your elbow has, um, there's something wrong with your elbow. Is that true? And she's like, why? And I basically kind of said the same thing I just said. I'm like, I believe that God told me that. And she's like, I've had arthritis in my left elbow for like 10 years. And I've never heard of arthritis being in the elbow before. Um, and I asked her what her pain level was out of 10. I'm just like, I'm so sorry to hear that. And at first I was like, oh my gosh, like <laughs> what? This is insane. Like, like I had faith and I just got up and I was obedient to Christ to going over to this random lady and asking if her elbow was, was okay. And um, it wasn't. And so I, and I was just like, hey, can I pray for you? And she's just like, sure are you like psychic or something and i was just like no 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 um and i just we prayed together and i didn't expect anything to happen and she said that her pain level was like eight out of ten and um like we prayed together and um i can't remember exactly what i said but i just asked god to um be with her and her elbow and if it was his will that her elbow would be healed uh, in the name of jesus because healing comes from god and uh the prayer was over i'm just like hey how does how does your elbow feel um and like she started moving it around and she starts crying like just straight up crying she gives me this biggest hug ever and like walks away hmm. um and it, it, it was just insane um and yeah so the, i and there's, there's a long list of testimonies and stories of, of, of miracles like that happening. Um, but yeah, that's just one personal account. Do you have any accounts like that, Caitlin? I, I cannot say I have experienced that, but that sounds quite beautiful. I mean, I, wow. Huh. Yeah, that does sound quite moving. My closest account for a miracle is if you ever like put in a, uh, if you ever remember when those DVD screensavers would come up on TV screens and you'd have yeah. that little DVD logo sort of bobbing yeah. around yeah. the television and you just hope that it hits the corner of yeah. the screen. And, yeah. and I, I'm pretty sure that I saw it hit the corner of the screen once you yeah. saw it. Yeah. yeah it was, it was, oh man, that's, that's the mythical, that's the miracle that I'm looking for. I mean, that's there's a meme. There's a meme that actually does that. There's like a thousand people in a room and there's a projector and it literally just has the DVD logo. And they're like, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even joking. Look it up. You'll laugh hysterically. It's so yeah. awesome. Yeah, but so see that that's uh, unfortunately the uh, the closest that I come to experiencing something like a miracle story. Um, in other words, I don't have any miracle stories. Um, although I I think that if something like that happened to me, it would be quite moving. Something a little little lighter than that. One of my friends who just recently, um, well, recently about a year ago, became a theist. 
from being an agnostic. Uh, he said that he had started praying and he prayed to see a shooting star and immediately saw one uh, as soon as he prayed for it. And this was in pollution ridden New York City where it's almost impossible to see a single star. Um, wow. Which obviously doesn't prove God's existence, but it was pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah. Um, and if, and Bobby, I don't know, like what I, I know just from hanging out with you that you seek truth. And I, I pray that you do seek truth. Um, and if a miracle or a personal experience is something that you want to encounter, uh, I just encourage you to ask for it. And, um, and you as well, Caitlin, if that's something that you personally want to experience, I, I pray that in the name of Jesus that you guys experience that. Uh, whether you want to believe it or to interpret it as, as something else, that's, you know, that's your choice and will to interpret it as such. But I believe that all miracles or signs or uh, anything that is good and that is love comes from God. Well, that's a very lovely sentiment, and I will take that to the bank. Um, and I don't know what that means. I will take that and I will, I will be on the lookout. Um, and I think that on, on that, on that note, I think that we can end it unless you had another question um, that you want to ask. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, Carson, is there any platforms that you want people to follow you on or find you on <laughs> for all six listeners, unique listeners that we have? <laughs> I think we're at 12. Um, oh, double. Yeah. You know, it's not my, it's not my goal to have just a bunch of views, but it is my goal just to have a really good time and a really good conversation. So if you want to DM me on Instagram and literally talk about anything and everything and nothing, whether it's spiritual or not, if you just want to talk about your insane, massive Lego collection, I want to hear all about it. So uh, follow me on Instagram at CarsonC27, uh, all lowercase. Should be simple enough. All right. That sounds great. Well, Carson, thanks so much for talking to us. Yeah, no problem. Appreciate I, I thoroughly enjoyed it for sure. All right. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. Cool. All right. Yeah. Bye. Bye.